Welcome to Dan's Dabble and Babble. I'm so glad you're joining me for another week of Dabbling and Babbling. I gotta say, I'm really proud of the episode that we have for you today because it really touches something deep within me that I'm very passionate about. Because Dennis, would it be fair to say that I am a man of the arts, of the drama, who appreciates the flair of a nice performance? Most definitely, and you can't forget, though, you are a man of the sciences. I certainly Don't sell am, yourself short. I certainly am that, but... That is not today's episode. When it comes down to it, the sciences, that, that exercises a certain part of my brain, but there's another part of my brain that... A showmanship. Showmanship. There, that's exactly the word I was looking for. There's, there's, there's a cer- certain showmanship quality. Even you've never seen me give a presentation about my research, but I bring a certain je ne sais quoi of so- showmanship when I present my sciences, and that, that is very similar to what our guest today has done with his career. Fair to say? Most certainly, and. I think all the listeners are going to want to tune in to the very end of this episode to learn one of life's most finest lessons. We don't always promise to teach you something, but this week I am confident you will feel more enriched from today's episode. So I think that's all I would like to say. Without Without further further ado, Dan brings to you my interview with Mr. Joey Image. And welcome back to another exciting week at Dan's Dabble in Babble. Until a few moments ago, I was thrilled to welcome our next guest uh, until he decided to question the fundamental nature of my very essence. But we'll get into that in due course. I, In all seriousness, I am very excited to welcome to the show a man by the name of Joey Image. He's a man that wears a lot of hats and even when the situation calls, wears an unbranded hat. He uh, is known, uh, came to prominence in professional wrestling circuits. And these days you'll find him podcasting, commentating, and dabbling in YouTube and streaming. So without further ado, Joey, how are you doing today? Good evening, guys. Thank you for having me, by the way. Absolutely. So we're going to just, we're going to air our grievances. Uh, (laughs) We're, we're, we're still, we're post Festivus, but you know, it's, it's always a good time. Uh, So Joey came, came out guns a blazing and uh, challenging uh, my, my love of heat and humidity. So I I just want to know what, what, who hurt you, Joey? (laughs) I listened to that episode today and I, I, I heard that and I had to rewind it. Like, wait a minute, he said he loves it? Or he loathes it. So I heard, I went back and you said love. And I'm like, that's, how is that possible? I, I don't, I mean, I'm not a, you know, if, if it's 90 or 85, 90, I'm good. But like, I'm in the Northeast, I'm in New Jersey. And it, I mean, it doesn't get crazy hot here, but I think the highest I can remember is maybe like 102, 103. 
And uh, that's just too much for me. That's the reminder that you're alive, though. It's it's stepping out into a to a warm blanket. So, were you uh, born and raised in the in the Northeast then, or or yeah. what? Okay, yeah, born and raised in New Jersey. Okay, great. Uh, so now, I, as I understand, most it's of you. It's great if you're not from here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's exactly from it is. I mean, what can I say? I was born and raised in the Midwest. It was nice. Nothing, nothing to brag about. Uh, that's why I uh, You've am. You've only been now, in California for a few years, though. You said right. Uh, so I actually live in Florida. Yeah. So I'm oh, in. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm in. I'm in even swampier than California. That when I say humidity, I am. I am in the swamplands. And uh, whereabouts you know, in Florida? Uh, Saint Petersburg. Okay, so I have my family has a house in Fort Pierce. Okay, I I'm gonna be honest, I have no idea where that is, but I'm it's, sure it's, it's lovely. The town next to Port St. Lucie. Uh, there we go. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's an, it's one hour in between Tampa and Orlando. Okay, uh, Tampa and Orlando are two hours apart. Uh, right, almost exactly two hours apart. I don't remember north or south, which is north, which is south, but um, uh, Fort Pierce is directly in the middle, so it's one hour from either one of those. Okay. All right. I, I mean, it's in Florida. It's in the greatest state. So I'm, I'm sure Florida. it's lovely. There we go. Okay. Now we're, now we're back. Now we're, see, I knew, I, <laughs> I don't knew there was just love the weather all the time, but I do love Florida. It was just, Hey, as long as we can, we can find common ground in Florida. Uh, that's, that's yeah, all Tampa, right with me. Tampa. I mean, I know Orlando is like, you know, the place to be and that's the big touristy spot, but I've been going to Florida. So the first time I was in Florida, I was six weeks old. Um, my parents took took the whole family to Disney, and uh, I went there every summer. We would go for two weeks to uh, Clearwater, um, just for vacation, uh, until I was about sixteen. And then, um, uh, then I don't know, just didn't go for a while, or, or I was old enough where I, I could stay home and hang out for my summer vacation. My parents would go by themselves or whatever. And then eventually, my mother bought my father a house there because my father is a gigantic Mets fan. Uh, and Mets, the Mets have their spring training at Port St. Lucie, which is, again is the town next to Fort Pierce. Absolutely. So she found a house in Fort Pierce, bought it for him as a gift. Uh, he would go down there all the time. Like, I mean, he, he was re- he was retired, so he would wake up one some mornings and just say to my mother, like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to Florida for two months. I'll see you later." And he would just <laughs> drive down there. It was great. And then, unfortunately, he passed away in uh, May of 2018. But my mother still owns the house, so now she goes down once in a while and hangs out. And uh, it's it's I, I always made the joke with my parents because it's in an adult community, so you have to be 55 or older to live there. Sure. And my father always wanted to move to Florida, so I always made the joke that they must have got this house in a 55 or older community. So if they do decide to move, I can't go with them. Well, you know, the, the, <laughs> what's it's really funny that you, that you mentioned that because when I was looking for houses down there, I would uh, see a listing and I would get really kind of into the listing and then start kind of reading the details more and more. And then it would, it would kept on coming up that it was a 55 and up community. Yeah. So I I'm, I'm ecstatic to hit that 55 mark uh, because <laughs> the, the community, the 55 and up communities are, are, are no joke down here but, yeah, but especially so. if you're if you're a fan of baseball i mean there's so many yep. teams that do their spring training in this area it's, yeah it's that a great was the main reason my, my, my father always wanted to move down there because of that and then my mother eventually bought him the house and my sister i have a sister has been down there since she's 18 she's i don't know 40 something now 50 something whatever she is i don't even know everyone's i'm the only one for my two parents everyone's half so they're all sure. much older than me so she just moved to uh i think saint augustine last year Okay. Um, so, so I do have a, a lot of family roots in, you know, she went there for college when she was 18, planned sure. on coming back here after college and never came back. 
It Listen, I tell you, since. it's 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 great. There there's so many people that are kind of the anchor for their family around here that yeah. it's 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 an asset to have a family member. So so for my family, I'm the I'm the anchor. I'm the I'm the one with the place now. But it's uh yeah, I mean it, it's it is an interesting place because you have especially in St. Petersburg, Tampa area, there's yeah. so many Midwest transplants and yeah. it, it, it's just a really really interesting vibe. I was there. Uh, my wife and I were in Orlando. We actually left two days before they shut everything down because of uh, COVID. Oh, wow. So we left on, um, I don't know what, March something, whatever day it was. So they shut like, they shut down Disney and then a whole bunch of other stuff started shutting down. So they shut down Disney on a Friday. We had just left on that Wednesday to fly back home. So I was thankful that we got to go to the new Star Wars stuff on Tuesday. It was one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, all of that stuff just looks absolutely incredible. And I, I, in a similar vein, I was uh, out in Denver, Colorado, kind of right as they were questioning uh, if they were going to be shutting down the airports. It was about that that yeah. same time frame that it was just a very bizarre time to be traveling. Oh yeah, it's we, like it was the plane got, actually going to go. <laughs> yeah, we got lucky for the same reason. They they canceled. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but they didn't actually start shutting things businesses really down until that weekend. But they started canceling flights that whole week and we just got lucky and ours was the only flight that day going to back to New Jersey that didn't get canceled. There were six flights total, five oh, of them wow. canceled and ours just, you know, luck of the Italian. I know there's a luck <laughs> of the Irish is a thing, but I'm hundred percent Italian. So luck of the Italian that we didn't get canceled. It was great. Hey, doing something right. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It, that's the, it, it, it's, it's one of those experiences that flying in general is, is such an infuriating thing because it's completely out of your control and it happens, happens all the time. Just last night, I, I got uh, back to Florida last night and I, we were delayed three hours because my plane didn't have a pilot. It's like of all the things to schedule for the plane, we had our flight crew, we had a co-pilot. <laughs> How do you forget the pilot? I've, was, I've experienced that before and I've experienced where uh, they don't have enough members on the crew. Like, they book these flights, or they schedule these flights ahead of time. How do they not, uh, like you're saying, how do you not prepare everything? And then that's, like, one of the most important things you're missing. Well, and they told us we were supposed to uh, be taking off at 5.55. At 5.55, they get on the intercom, and they say, so we just got on the phone with scheduling, and we're trying to figure out. It's like, you're just now on the phone (laughs) with with scheduling? Is that not a little late? But, uh, (laughs) yeah, but it's just, I mean, you're just completely at their mercy, so you just kind of hope for the best. It's amazing how how often they... You can't do anything because you want to get home or get, you know, wherever. So it's yeah, like, exactly. It's like, really that's, do. they have all the power. You can't, you can't pull out your wrestling moves and uh, <laughs> become a total ass because they have the power to ban yeah. you from the airline. It's, right. I mean, so one, one really quick airport story that I, I don't know. I, I will probably always remember this. I must've been like seven years old. So my sister used to come home. Like I said, my sister that went to college there, she would come home every year for Christmas um, and I would always, my mother and I would always go pick her up, or my parents and I would always go pick her up. And uh, and this one, this one year, the flight was uh, was delayed. It was Continental Airlines. Okay. And and I, I will never forget this. And there was a guy screaming and yelling about the delay and blah blah. And the woman at the counter was like, "We can't, sir. We can't do anything. The flight's already in the air. It's not like you know, it's it's coming here. It's just not on schedule. Uh, not in the air. Sorry, it was already at the other airport, wherever mm-hmm. it was coming, uh, wherever whatever airport it was coming from." Um, I think it was um, West Palm, maybe. Sure. And uh, and I'll never forget, the guy walked over to the intercom and picked it up and said, Continental Airlines sucks. They're always <laughs> late and they always cancel. 
then just the staff just ran like, well, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. I will never forget that. I, I, I mean, it's, I have video of it burned into my memory. We have all so had those the, moments that yeah, where, the where we want to do anyone do that. Like, it's the most, that's, that is the most relatable <laughs> because we all feel that we all want to yes. grab the intercom. Yeah. Uh, just, just a quick, more positive airport story. I, this was, I was about 24 years old. I was flying uh, back to Milwaukee. I was in grad school at the time from Vegas, had a connector in Seattle, which the logistics of air travel is, is awesome. Oh, I, yeah. I don't understand that. I, just, why I have to go literally to the Pacific Northwest to get back to the Midwest. Yeah, I don't I, know. I did one of those. I, I did a, I did. Sorry. Uh, sorry to cut you off. I did. Oh, a, no, go uh, ahead. I did a wrestling related event, uh, charity event in 2013 and I'm in New Jersey and it was in uh, Texas. So I figure like, okay, it's a straight line, you know, diagonally to the left on the map. Right. Uh, right. But the overlay was in <laughs> first Florida, then up to Chicago, then down to Texas. And I said, I don't understand. It's, I mean, I, I understand. I told the promoter, "Hey, give me the cheapest flight you can. I don't care if there's overlays. It's no big deal. <laughs> you know, you're paying for it, so it doesn't. It's your money. Do what you got to do. But I mean, there's no logic behind it. Yeah, no, it's. it's it, I I cannot imagine working in logistics for an, an airline company. <laughs> uh, but I, but about an hour after I get into Seattle, I uh, get a text that my flight has been canceled. And you know, usually when that happens, there's like a link to reschedule or anything. Yeah. There was none of that. It was just straight up canceled. And I just, I, I was, it had been a long week. It was, I was going back to grad school after a nice vacation, all of this. And I walked up to the Delta service counter and there was a guy who was probably a year or two younger than me. And I just started sobbing. <laughs> I've got to get home, man. And by some magic, he ended up getting me home an hour before I was originally scheduled to land. So Delta Airlines, that's a huge plug for them. All you have to do is be a grown man that's willing to cry in an airport. I mean, it, 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 there's, there's, there's no shame. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, people did not did not tune in for, to hear us uh, just bullshit about airports for... Oh, uh, <laughs> I guess we could swear on the show then. I was, I was trying oh. not to. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's, it's the internet. It's the wild, wild west, uh, okay. starring Will Smith. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, but I am really curious, uh, to have the opportunity to talk to someone who's involved in professional wrestling, which just, I mean, name a more it, 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 eccentric, ludicrous, exciting <laughs> industry. Um, Those are three great words, <laughs> by the way, to describe it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I, so I just, I, my first question is just how does someone find themselves getting in, getting the opportunity and getting into professional wrestling? Was this something that you had always thought about as a kid or, or how does that happen? Uh, well, since I was nine years old, I've wanted to become a professional wrestler. So I, I mean, you know, I, I was nine. I didn't know what was going on in my teen years. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know that there was such thing as like independent circuit or anything like that. Um, I didn't know anything. Uh, so I didn't actually find out that, that like there was always um, ads in the back of certain magazines that would say like, want to become a wrestler, go to this school or whatever. And there's always stuff that was like so far away that I couldn't get to, you know, and and I never thought that, uh, or I, I should say, I never saw an ad or, or a commercial or anything for anything in New Jersey. So I thought, like, sure. oh, okay, I guess, I don't know, maybe they just don't exist out here. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. So uh, so I finally, like, um, eventually, you know, I, I was obviously still a fan. I've been a fan of my, my whole, since I was three years old, and when I first started watching it, my brother used to watch it before me. So 
I always wanted to be like my big brother, so I would watch wrestling with him on whatever the weekends, I guess it was. He's much older than me, but uh, at the time, I was, you know, I was three, four, five years old. Um, so I didn't know anything about how to get started or how to get into this profession or anything. And uh, fast forward to like 21, 22, when I start discovering, or I, I should say maybe I was probably 19 or 20 when I started discovering, like, I would see signs, those big yellow poster board signs, uh, you know, pro wrestling here at the Knights of Columbus in whatever town, you know, seven o'clock Saturday night. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I have to <laughs> have to interject there. The Knights of Columbus is sponsoring pro wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, K, K of, KFC's buildings are like, like synonymous with independent wrestling. That oh. is that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. So for my <laughs> listeners who uh, have not uh, who are who aren't familiar with what the Knights of Columbus are, is it's a in today's terms, it's a Catholic men's service organization. Right. Um, so so the connection to to professional wrestling isn't necessarily the most obvious link there. So okay, so so you're seeing so you're seeing a KFC ad that there's some professional wrestling going on. Hey, by the way, that's K of C, not KFC. <laughs> <laughs> very different. Very different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So there was a like there was a, a KFCs. There was um, high school gyms. Um, there was a, a town I used to live in called Parsippany, where uh, a town right by there had uh, had events held in a big theater, big open theater, which was really cool. Um, there's been there's been shows, events put on at, at like a theater in the round type buildings where the ring is in the center and you, you know, you're around it um, with a, you know, round stage or whatever. So sure. there was, I, I was Shakespearean. These... So, yes. so, so do you consider yourself to be classically trained then? Uh, uh what? <laughs> <laughs> just, just go with yes. I'm helping oh. you fluff your resume here. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> professionally trained. I don't know about classically. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a very classy guy. Um, but, um, oh, I'm, I'm an Italian from New Jersey, you know, class is like not even in my vocabulary. Unless, unless <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge that I, you're, you're <laughs> oozing class. It's just dripping off of you right now, whether yeah, you like yeah, it or not. I, I have a ton of class, but it's all low. <laughs> it's, it's all about quantity, not quality in my exactly. book. We're, we're in good company. So, uh, so anyway, so I would see these signs and then I, I would start thinking like, well, maybe there's like, you know, these guys have to be learning somewhere. They're not all learning in these other town, you know, other states that I saw ads for, and then they're coming here to wrestle in New Jersey, or whatever. Um, of course, some of them do that, but again, I was I was nineteen twenty. I didn't know anything back then. I don't know much now. Um, so, so uh, I eventually. But the difference just, is now you're able to admit that. Yes. And, oh, and, God, and yes, nineteen and absolutely. twenty, really, totally different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And when I'm nineteen twenty, I know everything. Of course. About yeah. every, you know, about any stuff I'm not interested in, I, I know all about it. But so, so I started going to some of these events and uh, obviously I had fun and it's a lot more obviously uh, interactive and, and intimate than the big companies you see on TV every week and in the sure. giant arenas and the Meadowlands and Madison Square Garden and uh, Nassau Coliseum, which I used to go to all three of those every month. WWF at the time, WWF would have uh, usually like one one event a month in each of those venues and I would go to every single one every month. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, started going to shows, started going to, you know, live events, local live events or whatever. Um, met a girl, we started dating. I started talking to her about it and she was always like, why don't you just try it? Like, what's the big deal? You know, I'm like, well, I don't know how to 
I don't know how to try it, whatever. So long story short, this this girlfriend at the time started working at a um, I don't know what you call it. I guess like a, a clothing embroidery place. Okay. Where they sure. made hats and t-shirts and like you know signs, promotional stuff like that. Sure. So she had a uh, there was a tag team whose name I don't even remember now. It was this was um, God this was like early 1999. Uh, so they came in and they were doing a dark match, um, which if you don't know what that is, that means it's a match on a wrestling event that's not televised. It's more like it could be used for tryouts or it could be used for new guys just starting out to like get used to working in front of a crowd, okay. things like that. So it's not yeah. on television. It's not usually recorded for video release, um, which is hence the word dark. So right. these guys were working a dark match for um, for a local company. And they came in to get uh, hats and, and T-shirts printed up. So my girlfriend at the time said, hey, my, my boyfriend would like to get started, you know, would like to kind of get into wrestling. Any any uh, any advice you can give me or can you give me someone for him to talk to or blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn, but she was a 5'10", beautiful, tall blonde. So, you know, a girl like that tells a wrestler or, or any guy, give me your phone number. <laughs> They're going to give it to her. Hey, so, there you go. Play, play, play your cards. Right. So she got the guy's number. She gave it to me. Hey, I explained the whole thing. I met this guy and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I called the guy. His name was Mike. That's all I, all I remember is the guy's name was Mike. And I don't remember the company that they were working for or the team name or anything. I, I just, I don't know what, I just don't remember it. I mean, I got hit in the head a lot for 15 years. So you know, yeah, not not holding anything against you. you get the, even the fact that you got Mike out of it is that that's a that's amazing recall. You're doing great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so long story short, he introduced me to Kevin Knight, who ran or runs a, uh, a company called IWF, which is Independent Wrestling Federation, which is I guess kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> and uh, the 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 coincidental thing or the um, the uh, you know, th- things things go in a full circle um, situation is that that school is now closed down, but okay. I but I now live where I live with my wife is walking distance from where it was, <laughs> which is so like everything comes full circle. There so you go. You're I, just you're literally drawn to this, right? So I was I was training there while my wife was living here where where we live now, um, and she grew up in this house and then one block over. Um, and I was training uh, half a mile away, <laughs> walking wow. distance from here. So, uh, so long story short, I went to uh, I went to Camp IWF, trained there for one year, um, uh, and then after that, I just kind of you know after after you you finish the complete the program, you kind of graduate. We did a little graduation ceremony thing. I got a certificate that says that I did complete the program and I am professionally trained and blah blah blah. Uh, so I could present that to other promoters if they asked like, hey, where did you train and blah blah. blah. Sure. So I branched out after that, and uh, I wrestled. I, my my first match was June uh, June twenty fifth, two thousand. Okay. I, I started training December nineteen ninety nine, mm-hmm. December nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, my first match was June twenty fifth, two thousand, and then my last was June twentieth, two thousand fifteen. And then since then, I've been backstage doing you know backstagey stuff, and uh, I've done some. I've done a lot of commentary, which is a lot of fun, and then I've done like. Some companies have like a G, like a general manager character sure. that comes out and says, "Hey, you know, welcome here." And tonight we're doing this match. I've done that a bunch of times too. So uh, unfortunately, I had to I had to stop wrestling in ring, 
not mm. not on my own terms, but I am still luckily I still get to be involved. So uh, it's it's been a blast. It has got to be so vindicating that I mean, 15 years of professional wrestling is just I can't even fathom what you have to do to to keep your body in the shape that you have to do to to do that for 15 years oh, but then to 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 have the role of the voice on the mic doing commentary after being uh commented on for 15 years has yeah. just got to be the most vindicating feeling yeah it's it's a lot of fun um you know and and the the thing about it is like i you know i was never famous i was never on on usa network every weekend i mean every uh every week or whatever i was never on like spike tv or tnt all the all the big networks that carry wrestling nowadays or have for the past 30 40 50 years i'm not rich you know i'm not famous not a lot of people know who i am people know who i am but you know not a lot of people know me through wrestling so uh but it never that stuff never really bothered me like it never I well, no, because you have what ca- what counts. You have a place to go when you want in Florida. Everything else, <laughs> as long as you have a place that you can reliably get down to Florida, nothing else matters. Now, if you didn't have that place in Florida, you'd be sitting here and saying, listen, I never got famous and it fucking sucks. But <laughs> you got that escape to Florida and that's kept you grounded. Florida does. I, I I mean I can attribute part of that yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, I but, promise uh, we're yeah, not so... we are not sponsored by Florida tourism but we're <laughs> we're willing to be so so so, so anyway I didn't mean to to cut you yeah, off. no 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 that's all right uh, so yeah so I I was never rich or famous or you know had a million followers on Twitter or whatever or but I, I had so much fun and I got to live that the the main thing for me is like I didn't get into it to become famous or rich or or to meet chicks or to be on television or you know to be flown all around or whatever I, that's not why i got it i got it because i loved it i had a passion for it and i wanted to try it and a lot of people that would tell me oh you can't do that it's not do you know it's fake which i unfortunately found out it's not um <laughs> um you know but there was a lot of stuff like that and i'm like you know what 15 years later like you know i got to live my childhood dreams and again i i i had to i went out uh how not a way that i wanted to but a way that i knew was was possible when i got started and i still get to be involved in it yeah absolutely. i mean and that's that's so the, the there's so few people that you think about what you want to do when you're a kid and like you said you had no idea of even how to get there so to to actualize that and and to get that to to happen and uh, to be able to still be doing it. That's, uh, that's really incredible. So now it was just kind of luck that when I started, when I first started going to local shows when I was nineteen twenty, that, um, you know, a couple of, uh, a couple of wrestlers there, a couple of independent guys, and even a couple of guys that were, you know, quote unquote, big name guys that I, I, um, had the guts to speak to and say, Hey, how do I, you know, how do I do this? And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was always, you know, you have to go get trained, go to school, blah, blah. blah. So then, the next step was how do I find a school? And that's where the, right. the hat girl came in. <laughs> the, the illustrious hat girl. But yeah. I, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's funny how those just kind of small chance meetings add up uh, over time, but that does pose an interesting question of the other people that you trained with or how, what percentage of people go to a program like this and then are never able to book a match or never, never take it to that next. Um, it- God, I would say, I would say when we started 
uh, when we started training, I think our groups were because there was three or four. There was so many people that were signing up for the for the school. So when I when I first went to Camp IWF just to meet Kevin, the trainer, there was already one group that had started. The school had only been open for uh, a couple of months. Okay. So there was group one was the first one that started there. And then I was part of group two. Um, and I think he tried to keep the group somewhat small, I think up mm-hmm. to like 20 people mm-hmm. just so it's more, you know, if there's, if, if someone's having an issue with something, it's more one-on-one right. than, you know, you have a group of hundred guys and, and you don't have time to kind of do that one-on-one time with, and, and we trained, we were training five to six days a week. Sure. And it was usually, and because of people with day jobs, it was usually 6 p.m. to 11. Sometimes we would stay till midnight. I mean, the the you know the class sessions were always till 10:30, 11. But if you wanted to stay later, no big deal. So I mean, there were times where I would stay till 11, 11:30, you know, 12, whatever. Um, but I would say we started with maybe 20 people in the, in the group, and I would say with within the first three or four months, we were down to probably 10, something okay. like that. I mean, there were people that, you know, I mean, and, and the thing is like the, the, the training, the training uh, regimen or, or the, the classes or whatever, it's like, we didn't even get in the ring for at least the first three weeks Okay. because getting in, getting into a professional wrestling ring, whether a student or a pro is a privilege. Um, so we, you need to make sure, or the, your trainer, I should say, I guess, needs to make sure that these guys are already in ring shape to, to go in there. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, right. it's like a, it's, it's a very, um, uh, it's a very, it's, it's a profession that's full of a lot of honor and a lot of respect and a lot of history. And if you don't know your history, that was a detriment. I mean, fortunately, like I said, I've been watching since I was three or four years old. So I knew a lot of stuff, um, from, from back in the, in the late seventies, early eighties that my brother would show me on tapes and stuff like that. So I, I watched a lot of that stuff. I remembered a lot of it, retained a lot of it. Now I can't retain anything, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so, I mean, I mean, we had, I, I remember one guy that my, my cousin was one of the guys that trained with us. Okay. Um, so my cousin and I will talk about this guy, George randomly. We'll just bring up his name. I don't remember his last name. Um, but I remember him coming in and saying, you know, uh, the one of the first things that we did when, before we started um, actually training was we would sit in a room and um, our trainer Kevin would say why do you want to do this and what makes you think you're cut out for it and it was basically to weed out the pretenders and this guy George stood up and said I was a, a all-star running back or linebacker I'm not a football guy so whatever whatever line, linebacker or something like that you know um, on my high school football team, I'm sure this is easy. I could do it. I did football for four years of high school. And Kevin said, okay. Surefire way to get to get any job. Just walk <laughs> in and tell tell the interviewer, oh, yeah. you know, this looks pretty easy. I, <laughs> like, I'm just, I just am looking for someone I can basically bullshit around. So uh, yeah. when do I get in the ring? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, and that guy quit after the first week. He came back uh, five or six months later and said, now I understand. I, I needed that little kick in the ass to kind of show me that this is not what I thought it was. And then he repeated. But again, you know, I was a star running back in, in football. So, you know, maybe I just kind of got off on the wrong foot. I'd like to start over or I'd like to try again. That's it. So our trainer mm-hmm. said, no problem. And again, within another week, he was gone again. 
Wow. <laughs> that's uh yeah, I I mean well and and that's what I was thinking too is there's got to be so many people that, you know, just like have in their mind that you're going to be that as you said that that this perception that it's all completely fake so that you're going to just be thrown in the ring and uh I mean I don't I don't know what they think because it doesn't take much to know that uh whatever aspect of it is planned it's it's not like anybody can just get in the ring and do the the things that that you guys do Correct. Uh, so i guess so i guess if you could expand on that when you say that you realized it wasn't fake what what exactly do you mean by that oh it hurts oh boy does it hurt <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know like especially uh if you've seen like rick flair's famous for chops which is like those really hard slaps to the chest mm-hmm. that sound super loud mm-hmm. uh, and, and echo reverb throughout an arena mm-hmm. that really hurt. I mean, that hurts because that's real. That's just, you know, it's, that's just a legitimate move or a right. legitimate uh, strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of stuff where if you're not prepared for it, it looks simple on TV. Uh, I mean, that's another thing. A lot of people watch wrestling on TV and think it's all glitz and glamor. And then they get into an actual, training center and they get you know dropped on their head once and then like oh my god what's what's going on i mean i've been dropped on my head a million times i've been hit in the head a million times i mean i've got memory issues to this day because of that um you know i've got this weird thing where i'll mix up words a lot and and it's got to have something to do with that because it didn't happen before i started training but like i'll be like yeah, I mean, just... I mean, getting dropped on your head. I'm no doctor, but getting dropped <laughs> on your head can't can't necessarily uh, be the most positive <laughs> thing in terms of uh, speech recognition. But you know, no, again, course. no doctor here, so I don't want to I don't want to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> but um, but I'll, I'll like for example, I'll sit at the dinner table with my wife, and I'll I'll want salt, but instead of saying, "Honey, can you pass the salt?" I'll say. Can you pass the chicken? I mean the the tortilla. Ch- I mean the salt. Like I'll go through two or three words before I get to the thing that I that I want. And that... well, first let's get something straight right here. Is the <laughs> oh, fact no. that you even have to finish the statement uh, is before insane. Your wife. How long how long have you been married? <laughs> uh, what is this? December now. So a year and three months. If, if after a year and three months of marriage, she can't anticipate when you're going to want the salt. I oh, mean, God. what, 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 She's what? She's love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> because listen, I, I, I know that in, in your marriage, you are absolutely flawless and anticipating every one of her needs. And you are there before she even needs oh, to. Oh yeah. Well, utter... every guy's like that with every woman because there's so one... easy to read. And they always say what's on their mind and they always make sense. And, yeah, but you course. don't even need them to speak because you already know. You already know what she needs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so glad to hear it. But no, I, 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 I absolutely but, get what, you, get what but you're saying. Yeah, so so I, I tend to mix up words a lot like that. And, and, and I, I, you know, kind of uh, uh, to, to get off the, the joking around thing for one second, I know that that worries her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know you know, something I could do. All right, so here, so I, I, I'm trying to be serious for a second, but here's a story that's going to sound funny. Sure. Um, so, uh, a while back, uh, 2009-ish, um, I had my own my own apartment. Um, my myself and the girlfriend that I moved in with, we split up. She took off. I kept the place. Um, and uh, a buddy of mine who was also in training, my another Mike, he would come over and hang out a lot. So his father started getting, uh, started developing Alzheimer's 
So his father would go to a memory doctor guy. I don't know what you call it. Whatever, a head doctor guy. I don't know. When someone says you need to go get your head examined, as a joke, that's the kind of doctor that this guy would bring his father to. So he recommended to me one day, maybe you should go and, and just talk to the guy and explain to him about this memory. Because by the, at that time, I had already been wrestling and getting beat up and getting hit in the head with chairs and whatever else for, you know, nine, ten years. So my friend Mike said, maybe you should just talk to this guy and just see what happens. So I went down there. I talked to him. I did a bunch of, um, I don't know what you call them. It was almost like SAT testing. It was written paper tests and things like that. Uh, and then there was, uh, the doctor came out and said, well, we have to do, you know, we have to do more testing. There's, there's clearly something going on um, because whatever, some things like I wrote on that, that testing that I, I got wrong or something. And uh, he said, so we're going to have to do a follow-up and, are you good for this day, blah, blah, blah. So I made an appointment for a follow-up. And the funny part is I never went. I should say I never went. And the funny part is I never went because I forgot, <laughs> which sounds like a joke because I'm at a guy who's literally getting my, I mean, I'm at a doctor who's literally going to have my head examined. And I never went back because I forgot. Right. No, a, and, and that's Which is a and, true story, but it's also funny. Right. But it, but it is also terrifying because these are the types of things that, you know, people can tell you can happen and you can have these anecdotes. But it's, but it's the thing that's really hard to evaluate when you have this opportunity to, to do something that you've wanted to do since you were nine years old yeah. to really look into the future and, and really evaluate what impact that's going to have on not so, only you, but people who love you and all of that. The, the, the first time that that actually happened, and I'll, I'll make this quick if you want to move on or whatever, but first time that, that actually, so, so Mick Foley, uh, I don't know if you know who he is, but everyone knows who Mick Foley is. Um, he was Cactus Jack. He was Mankind. He was uh, Dude Love. He's been just Mick Foley for years now. Um, retired guy, world famous, been all over the place, worked for almost every company. Um, so he wrote a book, uh, New York Times number one bestseller. Um, his first book I read, uh, there was a, I don't remember if it was a chapter or it was a story that he told where he had started um, forgetting things that he regularly, you know, that he would normally remember. I don't remember specifics, but it was something like that his memory had just gotten so bad and his wife had gotten nervous and blah, 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 blah. So I, I read this uh, with, I had a different girlfriend at the time and, uh, and I was reading it, uh, her and I used to live together and I was reading the book and I told her about the story and I was like that, but you know, but, but this guy was in Japan, like working in barbed wire matches and like, c4 explosion matches where there's literal c4 exploding in uh, you know on your head where you know all this insane crazy i think i just became a <laughs> fan of a hyper specific type of wrestling but please continue <laughs> uh he was crazy i mean he would literally do anything for the um for the the enjoyment of the fans i guess like he there's many many famous people have been quoted saying if he doesn't put his body on the line in these like terrible situations he feels like he's cheated the fans out of the price of admission which it's just crazy to me but anyway i'm reading this book and i'm like you know i don't do crazy stuff like that i i you know the craziest thing i do is like i've gotten hit in the head with kendo sticks and uh uh, what do you call it? Steel chairs. That's about it. And I, you know, I, I, I jump off the rope every once in a while, but I don't do anything crazy. And then fast forward a couple of years and I'm working for a company in Pennsylvania called world star wrestling. It's, it was at the time, I believe it was every other Saturday. And we always ran at the Ramada Inn in Hazleton. They had a huge, 
uh, banquet hall slash conference room kind of thing where we put the ring in. We could fit a couple hundred people in there. So we did shows there um, every couple weeks. And I was going there, you know, every couple of weeks for a few years. Uh, it might have been once a month, actually, now that I think about it. Um, again, this is a long time ago. I, my memory is not what it once was. But um, so I was going there like regularly where to the point where I didn't. I don't know if you remember MapQuest, but I used to have to MapQuest and then print out the directions. So there, I, I had been there so often or been going there so often that I didn't, I, you know, I got to a point where I didn't need to do that anymore. I just knew where I was going. I knew how to get home. And then one day, just randomly, I, on my way home after leaving the event, I pulled over and I had to call my girlfriend then and say, I don't remember where I'm going. I don't know how to get home. Like, and she gave me the whole speech, right? You've done this, you know, every, you know, once a, once a month now for, for whatever, two years, you haven't needed, uh, you know, you don't even need the map quest thing anymore. What's going on. So I don't know. I just don't remember. I don't remember how to get home. So she, she map quest and then read me the directions. I wrote it all down and I got home, but that brought me back. When I got home, she was like, you remember what you read in that McFoley book? And this is the same thing that he was talking about. And you, you know, you had this, oh, it can't happen to me attitude. And it happened to me. And uh, so that's the yeah, first well, time I, that that really I, happened. Yeah, I will say it, it is really easy to uh, minimize what, what you're doing to your own body when you've got literal C4 exploding yeah, on the yeah, yeah, yeah. guy that's telling you to, to worry about this. So, so <laughs> yeah. I, I can I can see see where that message is really <laughs> hard to really internalize yes. at, at that stage of the game. Uh, but that, I mean, that that's that's incredible. One, just the the concept of a c4 match but also just the <laughs> uh just hearing you you tell that story because it, it is one of those things that until it happens it's really it's really hard to it's a to myth yeah anticipate what that's going to be like so right yeah no i i thank you for for sharing that perspective because i think that's um again it, it's 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 one of those things that it's it's really hard to be told but then when when you learn it it's like oh i wish i would have listened and considered I, this i also think that uh you know even though that happened to me and that's not a fun story and it wasn't a fun event to to happen to me but i also think that that seems that tends to lend some credibility to guys that were at my level which is nowhere just wrestling on independent you know little local regional independent shows that again weren't you know not not world famous i'm not rich i'm not on tv every week but the the to the naysayers or or the the uh the haters you know as the kids would say today that think like well that's just you no know, little independent you know regional bullshit that's not the same thing as the wwe stuff like well here's a wwe guy and mick foley saying this happened to me and then here's a guy like like joey image who's a nobody on the independence saying well this happened to me too it's the same thing that happened even after i doubted that it was possible <laughs> again but it happened uh so i think you know there's maybe that opens up hopefully that helps to open up people's eyes and think like you know hey maybe this really is kind of a thing up and down this whole business it's not like the guys at the lower level or the bottom tier or whatever are are any less you know athletic or any less uh passionate or whatever whatever you know what have you than the guys at the top level they just haven't gotten there yet right no, certainly sense. certainly not less pat no absolutely i i think uh not just with wrestling, but but in general, independent leagues and organizations. Uh, I'm not uh, 
intimately familiar with independent wrestling. I I've seen a few matches of um, guys like orange Cassidy and um, t- some other wrestlers that I can't describe in political correct terms. So I'm not <laughs> going to attempt uh, that just the, the creativity and the ingenuity and, and just, you can, you can absolutely see the passion. I think it makes it so much more um, uh, interesting and maybe, maybe more interesting isn't fair, but, but it, it is a completely different, you know, having a, a smaller arena where you have yeah. these guys that are, that are just really into the craft wanting to get better. I think there is something that's really, really special about that. That's- and, and, that's it's, part of what drew me to in the first place is that the little arenas and where where it's so much more intimate with the crowd and you know I can I can be in the middle of a ring wrestling whoever in you know in the WWE and the guy in the front row is going to yell hey that guy sucks and I'm not going to hear him because there's 30,000 people there but if I'm in a I'm in a building with uh you know, I don't know. Eleven hundred was the highest I ever wrestled in front of. The lowest being six. <laughs> but, uh, but um, I mean, I you know, I, and I'm gonna hear that guy say, "Hey, you suck," and you know, regardless of what side of the fence I'm on, generally I was I was always a bad guy most of the time. Mm-hmm. I can I can then play off of that guy, and uh, and it's just like the intimacy and just the fact that it's such a smaller setting. It was always like a big plus to me it was so much more fun i think than it would have been at the big leagues i think at least at least in the sense of of connecting to the crowd of course so in in the independent circuit how much influence do you have over your for lack of a better word your storyline but you but you just said you're you're typically a bad guy how much of that did you really have control over or was that some producer some promoter that was kind of writing all of that for you and you just kind of played along with what you were given uh, I think it was kind of like half and half. Like there okay. was a lot of, when I first started, um, you know, when I first started training, we would do stuff as good guys. We would do stuff as bad guys and promoter would always ask, you know, what felt better and, and what do you feel more comfortable with and blah, blah, blah. And again, I'm a full Italian from North Jersey. So we're just pricks to begin with. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey, you know, I think I kind of feel better being a bad guy. I'm more comfortable Go with that. what you I know. Feel like that's more me. Right. So that's what I did. So a lot of companies that I worked for, would ask like, Hey, what are you, are you this or that? And I'm saying, Oh, you know, I, well, I do this, but, um, obviously I, I'm fully professionally trained so I could do the other thing if you need it, which mm-hmm. I did very briefly. Um, so, but again, most of my, uh, at least my in-ring career, I was a bad guy, which is so much fun. I mean, <laughs> it's just the fact that you can go out to the ring and spit on someone and they can't do anything <laughs> about it. It's just the greatest thing ever. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm sold. I, I uh, am uh, going to start looking for some schools tomorrow. The, <laughs> oh yeah. You, you have spitting what, on people and, and I'm, well, I'm one, of the, one of the most fun things that I ever did that people never figured out. Uh, I, I explained it to a couple, couple of uh, younger wrestlers later that I've now seen one of them that do that once in a while, but um, obviously everyone knows what a snot rocket is. Of course. Okay, so <laughs> there we I actually learned this in training because my trainer used to do it. So I would go out to the ring, somebody yell at me or whatever, or I would be in the ring during the match and and there's always you always have to take a couple of seconds to get your personality over to the crowd. So sure. even though the crowd knows that, you know, Dan's a good guy and Joey Image is a bad guy, if I knock you down once, I still have to turn in the crowd and gloat about it. Like, yeah, 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 I'm, sure, I'm kicking sure. his ass, blah blah. So sometimes I would turn around and I would fake snot rocket. So 
basically what what I would do is you put your thumb over one side of your nose as if you're really going to do it and you spit. But if you do the whole motion, if you do it in one motion fast enough, it looks like you're actually snot rocking. I would never actually do that in someone because that's disgusting. But I'll spit on people. I've done it a million times. Joey, so the fact that you have the skill to fake a snot rocket, I have <laughs> never been more impressed with anyone in my 28 years of life. You might I, as well end the podcast now because it ain't going to get any better than this. That has never <laughs> even occurred to me to fake a snot rocket, and you did that for a profession. So, so, so kudos to you, Joey. Kudos but it's to just you. it's on timing, man. You got to get your hand up as quick as you or your thumb, you know, on the on the 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 right nostril as quick as you can, and then spit at the same time. So it looks like you're actually doing it. Um, and people were like just disgusted. It was great. If you don't think the first thing I'm doing after we in here is going into <laughs> the mirror and figuring this out. The, I'll uh, send absolutely. you videos like, hey man, <laughs> hey, like this, this is how you do it. Please oh, do. Send me video back and let me see how you're progressing. <laughs> of course, oh, that's that's quite the offer. That is that is quite the offer. Uh, we are coming up in our final moments here. I want to oh give God. you an opportunity to talk about any projects you've got going on, anything that you would like to promote, or, or anything we haven't talked about. Uh, just if you just want to cuss and scream profanities, <laughs> the microphone is yours. Well, I was I was trying to be PC, and then you said bullshit and fuck, and I'm like, oh, there goes that. <laughs> um but uh never pc so other than the uh other than the wrestling thing which i mean again i'm not active in ring anymore um i uh in in God, i think the end of 2012 maybe it was or the end of 2013 i broke my neck and then i broke uh a couple of vertebrae in my spine so i had a couple backs or i had a couple of spine surgeries i never had my neck surgery because i had my spine surgery and that was more important but um, so since then, I've been backstage. But other than that, I do. Well, I don't do a lot anymore, but I try to do I try to keep up with my YouTube channel as much as I can. Um, so I. Uh, I guess it's it's well, my, my handle would be Joey Image TV on all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Um, I don't even know what else there is. Instagram. Uh, so I try to do the YouTube thing, YouTube.com slash Joey Image TV. Um, I, I do, uh, a ton of stuff on there. Uh, a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of it, I end up just never uploading because I watch back like when I'm doing editing and I don't like watching or hearing myself. I, I, I don't know if that's a common thing, but I just, to me, it's like not the most fun thing to, to watch. <laughs> So sometimes... I, I can see you being very self-critical of your snot rockets. I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the, so... the having to watch myself, having to edit a video of myself with a subpar snot rocket. What I mean, a YouTube just... video that would be how to fix snot <laughs> rocket. Um, I think you found your, I think you just, you just wrote your next, your next script. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, so sometimes I watch back my stuff and I'm like, you know what? I'm not even having fun watching this. Why would anybody else? So, but again, I do a lot of Twitch streaming, uh, and then those streams generally go on. Oh, that reminds me, I forgot to do my video for yesterday. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, so, the, so uh, the mic was yours. Those uh, those Twitch streams again, Twitch.tv/slash Joey Image TV. I'm trying to hit a thousand followers. I'm at 940. I think it is. It would be great to hit a thousand before, well, before the end of the year. But that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, so those Twitch streams then go up on YouTube every Monday night. Uh, every Monday morning, I mean, I should say, on my YouTube channel. So other than that, like really YouTubing, streaming, and like 
podcasting is what I've been doing. I, I started podcasting in 2004 when it was called internet radio. And, uh, it was, it was so much fun. And I mean, I used to do a show called monster Mark wrestling with two other guys, Lance and Todd. And I don't remember Todd's name. I feel really bad. Lance. I still talk to this was in 2004 again. And, uh, I used to drive down like one, we would do it every Wednesday night, but I would drive down like once a month to Baltimore, four, four and a half hour drives to Baltimore, Maryland to do the show live. That, um, that's, that's awesome. In, in our producer Dave's garage. Uh, I just, cause it was so much fun. And like, to, to me, it was, it was part of, it, to me, it was a part of how I could give back to the business of, of professional wrestling, obviously. Um, you know, cause the business has given me so much and I don't owe it anything, but it would be cool to to give to it. It doesn't owe. I should say, let me rephrase it. It doesn't owe me anything. I owe it a lot. Sure. Um, but um, but yeah. So so I used to drive down there once a month and, and, and do the show live from Baltimore, and it was awesome. And uh, so again, uh, I you know I I took some time off from podcasting for a few years when I was wrestling every weekend. Mm-hmm. But le- nowadays I'm doing podcasting again. I haven't done my. I used to have my own show which I did 50 episodes and then stopped. Um, so now I do kind of guest appearances on a lot of other shows. Sure. Um, I'm hoping to start doing my own show again, maybe in 2021. I mean, I've got some plans. Uh, but again, other than that, YouTube, Twitch, uh, everything is Joey Evans TV. My Twitter is at Joey Evans TV, um, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I think that's all I have. I don't know. That hey that that's fantastic that that tells our listeners where to find you, Joey. I got to be completely honest. I had no idea what I was getting myself in for, but this has been <laughs> the best time chatting with you tonight. I appreciate so thanks that. Thank so, you so much, much for doing the show. Thanks, and, man. Uh, I uh, uh, wish you nothing but the best with your YouTube, your streaming. If uh, let me know when that podcast uh, gets up, I'm 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 anxious to hear it. So Thank uh, you, thanks man. again, and to to all of our listeners, you you know where to catch us, like us, rate us. Uh, five stars wherever you're listening to us. And uh, if uh, you have any comments for us or would like to uh, participate in any sponsorships, you can reach out to us at dabbleinbabble at gmail.com. Whatever you send us, we'll read. Uh, Looking forward to hearing from all of you. So thanks once again. As always, I'm Dan, joined this week by Joey Image. Have a great week.